At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey folks, welcome to Inclusive Collective. I am Nadia Button. I'm joined with my co-host Rob Hadley. Hey Rob. Hey Nadia. Great to be back with you. Nadia, have I have I said thanks for the entire experience? Have I have I if I share with you? I'm having such a great time. Uh-huh. Um, you know, thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me to the party, right? Like yeah. You know, well, I think this is a party that's hosted by both of us, but 100% like you have said thank it's you a great and I- party. Right? It's a great party. Like we the throw hors d'oeuvres are good, right? <laughs> the, yeah. the music's really, really lovely. The yeah, people we're crushing are interesting. It. Yeah, people want to come back. Yeah, that's yeah. important. If we just had a cocktail party or whatever, some sort of you know mixer with yeah. uh, you know with the people that have been our guests so far, I think it'd be yeah. one heck of a party, don't you think? Oh, a hundred percent. I feel like people would probably be like when are you going to throw this again do you know actually did you know that i ha- i used to have before the pandemic i used to have annual friendsgiving parties and um cookie exchange parties during like christmas time there you and go. my folks have been so like my friends have been so mad at me that the last two to three years i haven't thrown one obviously for you know you could have people had, yeah. why. <laughs> but if they're like why don't you just do it outside like rent a tent we'll we'll do it outside i'm like do you know how much money that costs <laughs> like i cater these things like they, come on, oh people. they're catered oh, hello. oh some of them All are right. catered yeah i'm making that yeah. trip next time yeah once you should uh, yeah, you're in, always in 10 to 15 years when we when we stop having covid issues right so yeah so what are we talking about today nadia So we are taking a pause to really just you and I kind of have our reflection. So, you know, (laughs) we coined this term and really just to have these conversations um, and our reflections on some of the major themes that we have observed in the last nine episodes. I think at times, and I think we've had a little bit of this feedback, right, that there's it's been difficult to see a very explicit DEI connection with some of the the stories, you know, some of the founders, I think that's because, and my hypothesis, where up to this point, we've been talking about really when there is no company, right? right. <laughs> like if you right. think of DEI, about some of the things we'll be talking about in the second half of the season, which is building culture, hiring people, uh, what else? Leadership, uh, behaviors. behaviors yeah. scaling, getting it's bigger like as a culture company. culture formation, right. Yeah, and we've been really dealing with when there is no company. So have yeah. an idea building a founding team, building a product, like your very first product. So so some of those things, it's a little bit harder to make that very explicit connection. And so today we're going to do a little back and forth. You know, we each have not revealed to each other. Each of us have come up with on our own, our top three points, yep. um, things that we want to make a connection with, uh, something that we just, you know, have to say, want to get off our chest. So maybe even a rant or two. 
Uh, <laughs> there are lots of rants. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah, you know, that or something we maybe even missed the first time around. Something that sure. we want to br- drive home for the first half of the season as we, you know as, as we move into the second half of the season. So so neither of us knows what we're going to say, right? Yeah, a huge surprise is happening here, folks. Yeah, yeah, this is all live. I mean, it's not live; it's recorded, but you know. But it's live. live for us right now. <laughs> <laughs> I get where you're going with it, Rob. <laughs> all right, I do have a kind of a bonus. Like before we get started, I, one thing. Oh, about, okay. One, one Love little bonus. Well, kind of. I mean, I think that one thing that jumped out at me as as preparation for this episode, I went back and li- listened to some of the you know all the different episodes and some of these things, and so. I think the the one point is as I started to step back and think about you know some of the conversations that we had for each of these topics we've had our founders come in they tell us these stories and sometimes we're we're laughing we're always having a good time mm-hmm. and and having some fun with some of the characters that we're as we're going through this right they, we're reflecting on some of the absurdity uh, uh-huh. or some of the obnoxiousness or ridiculousness yeah. of some of the situations that our founders have found themselves in, right? So from the bank manager but that would question- so real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the bank manager that would question Melissa Michener of Barkshop, mm-hmm. uh, whether, you know, she could afford, you know, she could get a line of credit, even though mm-hmm. she knew that she was crushing it. Or the venture capitalist that could only think of white influencers talking to Chad Patterson of Roblox mm-hmm. or- you know, on and on and on. Right? Very fresh in my mind is Melissa Cordo being told to wear lipstick uh, for venture capital presentations, right? And so, right. one of the things that you know, so we we've we've had fun with it. And we laugh about it, and you know, you laugh to to not cry. But you know, some of these things they're still very traumatic, right? Like there's these yeah. slights that add up over time, and and it's kind of messed up, right? And so, I just want to just right. just as I take back, you know, just make sure that it's very clear, right? And I think that. Sometimes people will look at these stories and they'll say, well, you know, see, they went through it and they, you know, they're fine. They're very successful mm-hmm. and they're doing great, you know, but it's those little slights and dings that people have to put up with that, that mm-hmm. really add up. And that those are some things that stood out to me as I went back and listened. And, and just as a person that doesn't have to put up with that shit, I, you know, just wanted to acknowledge that as you kind of go back and listen to it, it really stands out to me. And, and, and sure. um, I just wanted to acknowledge that before we, before we got into this. Well, and I appreciate you acknowledging that. And from someone who has experienced them herself or just um, observed them with so many people, I think what I see is correlation from the startup world to even just like the corporate world where fo- where companies have been around for maybe like 150, whatever, 20 years is that deeply embedded bias is a thing, right? Yeah. Like we microaggressions continue to exist. There's so many instances and in, in just experiences where folks you know, you you would think it's 2022, like, haven't we kind of learned, gotten better, been become sure. more aware? And I think there's definitely more awareness out there, but I think that there's still absolutely, and we're hearing it from our guests, that there is definitely these deeply embedded behaviors and mindsets where into unintentionally, unconsciously, or maybe even at times explicit, explicitly. Sure, um, sure. There's that, a couple of those explicit <laughs> <laughs> yeah right well. so yeah so so should we should we move on do we should we yeah, do you what are we gonna do go, we're gonna, let's go back and forth let's do it let's, let's go do back it. and but, forth and, like, and we'll do the uh, let's do a coin flip uh oh, and okay. uh looks it, it turns out uh, you're oh, first equitable. I, I did oh, it the, turns yeah. out i'm first okay <laughs> so my um i don't think this is going to be a huge surprise to you or anyone that knows me but the very first maybe it will be but the very first theme and i'm gonna go along with themes here Okay. Because the 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 folks that we talked to, the 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 biggest theme that I took away was this idea around identity. For every single founder that we have spoke to thus far, 
they have spoken to, I know some of the questions that I asked really pertain to identity, but a lot of the products, a lot of the kind of ideas that they came up with had to do with their identity and how the gap that they were seeing may have been something that was existing within the community that they were a part of or something that they were experiencing and wanted to kind of close the gap on. And so they were kind of looking at that from an innovative process or mindset and really wanted to create a product or service that would close that gap. When I think about identity, do you want, do you want to, do, do you have questions for me about my theme? <laughs> no, I think so. I, I had this, I had the same thought, right? And so, yeah. but I, I, I do want to point out pretty much every entrepreneur and founder that we talked to had something about their business res- related to their identity, except the one person that we brought on to talk about their idea, right? The very, our very first episode with Melissa Mitcher, like the, her her dog grooming business. She wasn't a dog owner, right? And, and, and the world that she had stepped into was somewhat separated from that identity. I think uh-huh. there's a ton about her identity that made her really successful in that business. But I just, it's very funny. I was thinking about this as well. It's like the one person that we brought on I to talk about their idea. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just agree with that, And I'll, I'll tell you why. I think a social identity and social identity is like a representation of your social environment, right? Uh-huh. So this is like what I'm studying right now. Okay. And I truly believe that even though Melissa herself didn't own a pet, didn't have a dog, she was in a community of people. She lived amongst a community of people that did. She saw, she observed through her community that there was a lack of a place to bring your, your dogs or provide you know, like high class pet care needs for your pet and recognize that that was something she wanted to close the gap on because it served her community. Okay. And so for me, I think it's about the community you live in, how that replaced for your own identity, the environment, and then creating a product to solve the gap for that. So I don't think just because she didn't have the the dog really held her back from or serving that need in terms of identity. It what, certainly what are didn't, your thoughts? It, it certainly didn't hold her back in any way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that very that very explicit link to this is who I am, this is where I come from, and this is the this is a problem that I have. She certainly identified a problem in her community for for right. sure. There's no doubt about right. that. Right. And I mean, I'll speak to even myself, Rob. Like I'm not from the startup world. I I have my whole entire career have literally worked in corporate America that ha- companies that have been established for over 50 years plus. And with you in season one, we're focused on this need of startup and venture capital because through my experience and my observations of kind of being around people now that are in the startup world, like yourself, I've noticed that there's a gap of really digging deep around DEI. You have a lot of uh, ideas, right? So you're you're becoming a very natural uh, entrepreneur. At this <laughs> oh, point. Yeah. You're, you're coming with several ideas a week, as, yeah. as, as we, we both know. So, anything else on on identity as it relates to what we've seen so far? No, that's it. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this: for the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. 
and Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. What, what's your uh, first theme or observation? Okay. All right. So I'm going to go back to episode two, I believe, with Anthony Clay, the founder of Indie. And there's something that he said that I almost missed, right? Mm -hmm. He said that people all, always want to separate business results and diversity, equity, inclusion. And he wasn't sure how that you could do that. And so it was almost like a, it was almost imperceptible in the, in the episode. I missed it in the moment, but I love that. And I was thinking a lot about that. And so part of the reason that we wanted to do this topic in, the, in this way was we wanted to show that there is the, this complete overlap between the concepts of delivering business value and diversity, equity, inclusion, right? So the season so far has worked out that right. The ideas that the founders have, as you just said, come from their identity. Uh, the culture, the alignment the founders have amongst themselves sets the foundation for the company that they want to build and for the rest of the company and how they are going to treat each other and, and how they're going to work together to actually achieve what they're, what they're trying, their vision and their goals and their dreams. Um, and then obviously the effective marketing and branding that has always been about getting people to see themselves in the product, getting them mm -hmm. to make a connection to a consumer, to make the consumer feel like they're seen and heard in the delivery of a product. So, mm -hmm. you know, we always try to separate these things, but all these concepts are linked together into creating business value and all these things kind of weave together. And so that's, that's something that he said that I missed in the moment and that I was really, really liked when I went back through it again. Oh, cool. Very cool. So moving on to... Well, did, did you want to add anything else to that one? No, no. What do you got? What do you got for number your, your second item here? My, my second one here is values. And so what I heard through many of our conversations was this idea around values and how folks, um, you know, create them organically and or kind of how they are not willing to either sacrifice or compromise their kind of values when they think about beliefs or like their principles. And I think ultimately, like founders that successfully embed or embrace specifically diversity, equity, inclusion values, they're set up to actually build better businesses and, and scale. And, mm -hmm. and the reason why is because you're going back to kind of your founding um, principles and your practices and kind of what you believe is your North Star. And I think it sets the tone, right? Like values really anchors companies, right? They, when you have clear and really concise, verbiage around those values. I think it really helps folks understand more of how you make decisions, how you're going to treat each other, what, how your interactions. It's almost like, I don't want to say a code of conduct because that sounds a little negative or like a little too more, more policy oriented, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's really having these beliefs of how we want to interact and engage and make decisions. And then also it's around how we want to serve our communities. And I I felt this sense through many of the folks that we talked to that they had these values. One of them was even Jessica of TrueFit, right? Like as they're continuing to scale, she does talk about how they have these set values, but they continue to be evolved because of the things that they're learning about their people that they're serving or even people that um, work within the company. 
I like that. There's, there's so many forks in the road at the early stage of building an organization or building a company. And those values help you make the decisions that you need in order to, to go forward. Right. So we think of values. Sometimes people talk about values and culture as being a soft thing, but it really is the decision-making framework for the business going forward. Right. It helps you execute and helps you, uh, you know, move much faster than you could without having a clear set of values and direction for the organization. Right. What's your second one, Rob? Number two, number two for Rob, number four overall for keeping track. The importance of diversifying networks for a rainy day, or if you ever want to start a company, right? So if you think about going back to our friend, Andrew Garner from Humanly, uh, the only other white male that we've uh, had ah, on the Inclusive Collective so far. Catch. Yeah. So uh, he's kind of invading my space here. This is, this is it's kind of my thing. <laughs> Right, it's kind of my kind of my. We can welcome others, Rob. We do welcome others. <laughs> I kind of like being the only one, but um, you know, if you remember, Andrew talked about getting to know people from all different backgrounds, sure. and even in his specific example, it was even across departments in the company that he was working for. But he really wanted to go out of his way to develop a very wide network, and that led to him meeting his eventual co-founder, Prem Kumar. Nadia, on this point, do you know what the average age of, a, of founders are for the most successful companies? For Give the it a guess. most successful companies, yeah. I'm going to guess. Well, uh, startups, most successful startups. Startups. Um, I'm going to guess like 31. 31. Okay. You're wrong. Okay. And Am I far you're, off? You're way off. No, and you're going to oh, love this. Really? It's 45. Oh, 45, okay. Right? So that's a 2020 study published in the American Economic Review Insights. And one of the main factors that they found was that these founders' success came from the fact that they have well-established wide networks to draw on. Because when you're 45, you get you obviously have a, a much larger network uh, right. for the companies that you've worked for, the people that you've met along the way. And so, okay. you know, so it stands to reason that the the bigger network you have, the more diverse network you could have. It, it's a major advantage when you're actually out there starting a company. So Andrew is probably not 45, uh, but uh, you know he obviously. Was, I mean, but was we're very close to it. About that. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm close on the other side of it. In some, in some cases, in even some right. Cases, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. so. Uh, I, I really like that point, and, uh, and I think it's great advice for people who want to start a company. That's awesome, and and just to add to that, when I think of um, a wider network. And I'm going to go back to this social identity concept that I talked about in my first first um, academic on us. Yeah, Yeah, I I am going to go a little academic, but I would challenge folks when they are thinking about widening their network to consider widening their network that's different from their own social identity. Of course. Yeah. Um, Right. Because that's going to offer folks an insight into some of the inequities or some of the other kind of diversity of of perspectives and ideas out there that will make your product even better. So awesome. Um, just food Absolutely. for thought there. That's awesome. All right. What's so, next? You know, I'm going on all of these like behavioral things that I observe because that's just who I am. But the third theme is this idea around relentless attitude. Um, so I'm finding that many of the folks that we talk to, actually all of them have this, this relentless attitude, this determination, and the, really this growth mindset. Right. Um, this ability to kind of rebound quicker, even by some pretty intense kind of setbacks or challenges that they face or biases that they faced. To them, it sounds like failure is learning. And I love that. I love that folks don't take failure or setbacks as a negative and really take it as like, 
reflection and how can we improve upon and do better? They refuse to kind of give up, right? I think ultimately having this attitude of a growth mindset is the really the belief that skills can be improved upon over time with the right questions, right with the right reflection, ultimately really making your product, your organization, your culture better. And I think it can really help in cultivating mm -hmm. your teams because it, as a leader, as a founder, you're kind of creating this role model like this. You're creating um, this idea that failure is okay as long as you learn from it, right? And um, that to me is role modeling for your your colleagues to really learn and grow from. I love it. Love it. Um, Rob, what's your third one? Third one. Final one. Uh, so it's nothing good happens on its own, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a, it's quite a quite a sentence there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we said the term intentionality a few times, but basically what we're saying is that you can't back and say, I'm a nice person and everything will take care of itself and, and I'll have a diverse, equitable yeah. and inclusive organization. Yeah. So in companies, and you've worked with many of them yourself. So just say, for example, right? So if you're a company that likes to promote from within uh, and you really pride yourself on that and, you know, that's a reasonable thing to do. But if you have an organization that's mostly white and mostly male, mm. and as you continue to adhere to that practice, your le leadership team and your organization will continue to be mostly white and male or both, right? And so you have to make an effort to have some sort of alternative, you know, to develop alternative sources of talent. You have to be intentional about going out to the external market and finding people that aren't necessarily in your organization if you want to change the mix of what the organization looks like. So similarly, as a startup, as you're building uh, your organization, you know, we've had a lot of great examples of people making, making choices, right? Like being very intentional mm. about the choices they make at every opportunity as they start to build their company, right? So we had great examples from Nisha Dearborn of Fresh Chemistry about marketing, every single word in the marketing copy that she created, every model that shows up for a photo shoot are all done through the lens of diversity and inclusiveness, right? Mm -hmm. um, Jessica Murphy talked about how uh, of TrueFit, she talked about how they had assumed initially that their algorithms would work for diverse customers and they were wrong. And so now they're anything that they build, any kind of new uh, product or technology that they're building, they're very intentional about saying, how is this going to work for everyone, right? How mm -hmm. is it going to be used and, you know, by different types of customers? And so sure. it's just every decision that you make, there's an opportunity to say like, you know, how do we, how do we become more diverse? How do we make this company more inclusive? How do we make our products more inclusive? And almost every choice that you make, there's an opportunity to, to, to do something that will positively impact the company in the future. Absolutely. And there's so many studies out there, but one that always stands out in my mind is that this idea when we think about intentionality and the benefit to the organizations, right? Like more diverse teams leads to better decision-making. It leads to more innovation and problem-solving, right? And when you see that occurring, then it, it, it really can also lead to an increase in business performance and um, business results, which is, you know, ultimately what investors are looking for as well. Yes. Um, and so I think that's something to point out um, that's really valuable. Awesome. All right. I ran out of uh, points. What I ran out of points too. I think I'm, what I'm excited, what are you excited about, Rob, for the next uh, few episodes that we got going on? 
Coming up in the near term, we have some really great episodes on financing, both from the perspective of people that have either been in accelerators or run accelerators or programs to, uh, to provide entrepreneurs with support and capital and also venture capitalists. And then, like okay. I said, on the, the backside of the episodes of season one, you start to talk about building culture, leadership, and uh, some really great guests coming up there as well. What, what about you, Nadia? What are you excited about? Yeah, same. Really, what I'm excited about is the, that culture formation, the leadership behaviors around as you are scaling and growing your company, what are some of those behaviors that you're doing to cultivate this inclusive environment, right? To have folks kind of stay. And then I'm also, I think what I'm excited about is to hear from you actually more around like, as these folks are talking through how they're scaling and growing and so forth, how we're measuring diversity, mm. equity, inclusion, right? Like we haven't gotten to that point yet because some of these companies are so small. We've given some kind of input around how you can start to to um, maybe measure, collect data, um, data. <laughs> but but I'm excited to really dig deep and hear from you in terms of what are some other things that you've seen or what you would recommend um, when we think about diversity, equity, inclusion metrics, or just people. All right. Well, metrics. I guess uh, I guess I'll, my summer is is uh, over at this point. You've I've been put yeah. on notice. <laughs> I, I will not be coasting <laughs> yeah. this summer is what you're telling me. So, all right. Yeah. Well, you can't get yeah, comfortable yeah. there. <laughs> well, keep the, keep the cover on the pool, I guess. You know? Yeah. You know, and Rob, we've been asking our guests what um, like books or podcasts or resources that they um, recommend. What's one that you would recommend? I would, I highly recommend, I just, you know, I'm a fan of the Michael Lewis podcast against, uh, against the rules. Fantastic episode. I think it's the most recent episode that's released and there's an episode on mansplaining. It is fantastic. Uh, I think that uh, all women will uh, really enjoy uh, that episode. And it talks about some of the studies that have been done on the differences between the genders and the way that they are. Uh, the men are perhaps a little bit overconfident. And uh, so I think that, you know, I can't, can't recommend that one enough. Yeah, that's awesome. How about you, Nadia? What do you got? Anything written by Amy Edmondson, um, she's from Har she's out of Harvard. She talks a lot about psychological safety. So a lot, she's written a lot of articles and books. So anything that she's written. And then a particular book that I love is Humble Inquiry. Well, that's by um, Ed Shine. A lot of folks might not have time to like read a book, which totally I get. <laughs> I have a dissertation to write, so I'm not reading a lot of books by uh, for fun. But there's so much like there's so many podcasts and um, YouTube videos around in particular, Humble Inquiry by Ed Shine. You could just Google that and find something and so good. get like the major tips from that. Yeah. Yeah. I like the classics. I like the Humble Inquiry, the classics. Yeah. It's a great book. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Inclusive Collective. The Inclusive Collective podcast is a production of Affiliate Media. And you can find us on Instagram at uh, Inclusive Collective Podcast. I'm Nadia Butt. And I'm Rob Hadley. We'll see you next week.